0: I find it unfathomable that someone might say I don't eat stone fruit or whatever because it doesn't taste good because it just there's so much diversity in the flavour.
1: This is The Producers, I'm Danny Vallant. Rowan Little is the Chief Innovation Officer at Montague, a family owned fruit growing company headquartered in Victoria and now into its third generation. Montague started with an apple orchard in the 1950s and has now expanded into stone fruit. There are five million trees spread across southeastern Australia with the focus squarely on delighting consumers with wonderful flavour.
0: My name is Rowan Little and I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at Montague. Uh, So Montague is a grower of all sorts of fruits, uh, stone fruit, apples, citrus, grapes and cherries. Um, where our head office is located in Narrawarran North, uh, but we've got about eight orchards spread across southeastern Australia. So Montague was started in uh, 1948. It was started by Bill Montague, who's uh, still alive today. Uh, And he bought this property that we still farm today at Narrawarran North in the 1950s and planted some apples. Um, someone suggested to him before that, he used to be a market gardener and grow vegetables for hospitals and whatever, but he decided for good or for ill to uh, plant some apple trees on our, our our property at Narrawarra North, which is about, uh, yeah, about 40 kilometers from Melbourne. Uh, and we've been growing apples on this site ever since to this very day, um, And, you know, over the years, he had three sons and they all got involved with the business in various elements and the business grew, um, planted a lot of apples on 10 different sites around Victoria and then into New South Wales and Tasmania. And then in the 1990s, um, the company decided to diversify and, and got into stone fruit and then just recently, we've acquired some grapes and citrus, so and some cherries. So, yeah, it's been a it's in the third generation now. So, the third generation family members are um, Scott Montague's running the business, and Tim's brother is running our production, our orchard business. And then Hamish is the is the, their cousin. He runs our business up in Brisbane. So, yeah, it's still a very much a family-owned business that's really committed to primary production of fruit is really what it's all about.
1: With fruit that flowers, fruits and ripens through the seasons, there's never a quiet month at Montague. Rowan talks through the rhythms of the farms, including the important role of bees.
0: As a fruit producer, I guess Montague is, um, we have a very uh, weather-based rhythm. Um, So for us, the year it's hard to know when you say things start and when they finish but the logic of growing fruit is you start with a flower and flowering of uh, fruit starts really actually in the middle of winter for stone fruit so our stone fruit peaches and nectarines flower in july believe it or not uh, and so You know, it's right in the middle of the coldest part of the year and we're getting flowers on our trees. And then flowering um, between, you know, stone fruit, apples, citrus and grapes sort of takes until October. And then each of those flowers, I guess that's the most amazing thing about fruit production is every each and every flower on every tree that we have, and we've got, you know, literally five million trees spread around the country, Uh, each of those flowers has the potential, um, to turn into a piece of fruit. Uh, so, you know, in the, in the act between July and September, we bring a whole lot of bees into the orchard and, um, the bees. So basically for most of our product, we require pollen from another, um, plant to pollinate. And then that creates, um, a fruitlet and the fruitlet, I guess, through the months of, um, You know, September and October, all of our fruitlets are formed. And then from there, we do a process called thinning, which is we remove up to 75% of the fruitlets from the tree because if we have all of those fruitlets on the tree, the fruit will be far too small commercially. So thinning takes place really up until Christmas. And then harvest um, for stone fruit begins as early as November and runs till sort of um uh, march april uh, and then stone uh, apple harvest starts in january and goes till may and then grapes is january till uh, april and then citrus is in winter so then you start all over again yeah that's the rhythm
1: Rowan's earliest childhood memories are of sitting in a strawberry patch enjoying full-flavoured fruit. So perhaps his career trajectory was sealed at an early age. What is his background and what's involved with his role at Montague now?
0: My involvement with the fruit industry started, my my father was a a researcher. So he um, grew up in, actually he was born in Fiji a strange place and he he grew up there in in during the war but then migrated as a result of um you know the war to australia and then eventually ended up in new zealand where he got his post his uh his degree in horticulture and he started work for the D- victorian department of agriculture um in the 1960s and um he also started a little market garden where he grew um, strawberries for in the Dandenong Ranges in Victoria, in Melbourne, um, and we supplied strawberries. So my earliest memories as a child was summer um, sitting in the strawberry patch, chewing on on beautiful strawberries that we would supply to restaurants and whatever around the area. So that was my exposure, and I guess you get a love affair with fruit from that moment. So all of those memories of full flavored and. Dad used to always bring in all these new exotic, new strawberries and we'd t- sample them and we'd decide which ones we liked. And And then from there I worked in retail for a little while, again in fruit and veg, so sort of um, got involved there. And then, you know, from there with all of that background, I, um, I came to Montague as a bit of a, a green, um, you know, 20 something uh, and I've done all sorts of jobs here over the years since then. My role is um, quite diverse. Uh, so it sounds very high Luton, being the chief innovation officer, but broadly speaking, it's a, a role where I'm looking around for new and innovative ways to um, produce fruit. So there's both the technology that we're looking for, but probably more of my time is actually looking at the fruit that we produce. So what are its characteristics? Um, so the big passion that montague have is to deliver better eating a better eating experience to our consumers so you know i spend a lot of time i'm looking at new uh, and innovative plants so we have uh, an orchard here at narrow warren and one on all of our orchards where we test new plant material and most of that plant material we import through australian quarantine from overseas and we test it for five years and and so we're looking in those, in those test blocks for, you know, fruit with higher uh, flavour broadly. And, and flavour is a very, um, I guess it's a very personal thing. It's a, you know, what one person likes and another person doesn't. So you're trying to, in that evaluation, work out, you know, what what the average consumer is going to look at. So, you know, that's really uh, a lot of the work that we do is is looking at, you know, what varieties or what things might actually capture the imagination of the consumer. Uh, And then from there, my work is about, well, how do we turn an idea, which is one tree into enough fruit to supply the Australian and international markets so then that becomes you know orchard planning and all of that sort of stuff so yeah it's quite a diverse and interesting role um but one that's you know I guess the the exciting thing is you get to visit a lot of really uh interesting places and see you know the cutting edge of of what's going on in plant breeding around the world.
1: Plums are a passionate montague but the team lamented the underwhelming plums that were often sold to Australian consumers. Rowan made it his mission to source and grow irresistible plum varieties, turning an old person's fruit into something modern eaters look forward to and seek out.
0: So probably our most famous um, branded stone fruit is a, is we 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 um, we found these plums. Um, so. Plums are one of those things that I think generally it's an old person's fruit Um, and you know a lot of consumers you talk to go oh yeah the guy used to love plums they were in the backyard and I'd go and pick them and they were ripe and sweet and soft and you know people have this memory of a, a plum tree in the backyard so We were really lamenting the fact that a lot of the plums you bought in store were very small, they were very tart and hard, and they had no juice, and we really wanted to revive the category. Um, So what we did was we found a breeder in in California, in in Central California, who had the same passion. And what we were looking for was um, a range of plums that had red flesh, because Everyone loves an old blood plum. And we were also looking for something that had, you didn't have to wait for it to go so soft before the acid dropped out. So we wanted it to be sweet straight off the tree. So um, this breeder worked and he he's an amazing, the way in which the breeding is done is there's no mod- genetic modification or anything. He literally builds these wooden structures and he gets, um, a tree and pollinates that tree with the pollen that he wants to cross, and then he plants the seed from all of those plums. So, over 10 years, we selected that and then we planted those trees. And today, we've got 250,000 trees in the ground of um, fruit that is, you know, red flesh, great sugar straight off the tree, and the flesh is quite crunchy um, and the lower in acidity. And we've been selling those, um, you know, under two brands in the Australian market. So we sell them as crock eggs um, to Woolworths and then on the wholesale market and to other retailers as um, the Montague tree plums. And that's, yeah, that's been a, a passion of mine probably for close to 20 years now, um, trying to bring that to life.
1: Eating a plum is easy, but growing a perfect plum is complicated. Rowan explains the keys to achieving that full flavour explosion.
0: Look, the things that we're really looking for in plums are, first of all, they've got to be sweet, right? So, I mean, there's a few consumers who would say, I really like a a tart plum. Um, But at the end of the day, um, the amount of sugar, or we call it soluble solids, is how we measure it. So it's the amount, if you... If you took all the water out of a plum and what you would be left with is the soluble solids and we're looking for soluble solid content that's above fifteen. Um, so you know, an average plum that you'll buy in a supermarket's maybe, you know, ten or eleven. We're getting some of ours with soluble solids up to twenty-five. So we're really looking for a full flavor explosion um in our plums and then the you know red flesh is critically important to us um so higher in antioxidants so all that good stuff um but then also just you know works amazing in a salad or you can barbecue it it's just a a great that red that red flesh um and then we're also looking at a texture where i guess um a lot of people um certainly younger consumers are looking for a slightly firmer texture so there's a little almost a little crunch um but you don't have to wait for the fruit to get so soft that you know you bite into it and it sort of dribbles down your your front you can certainly do that with our plums but you can enjoy them when they're a bit firmer and a bit more snack like so you know that's a real driver for us so the eating experience of our plums is um what we're what we're looking for is a sweet that's a primary driver it's got to be sweet but it's also got to have enough acid because the mix of acid and sugar is what is what gives fruit its flavor and in a plum it tends to be slightly higher acidity so we're looking for a, a sugar first experience sugar with a bit of acidity and a bit of exotic sort of tropical flavor and then um a really nice full not dry but juicy um explosion of juice into your mouth as you as you bite into it that's that's nirvana for us in terms of plum
1: growing a great plum is one thing but if it's not harvested carefully all the hard work is for naught how are montague's plums picked and packed
0: i mean the biggest cost for us in terms of fruit production is probably the harvest process Um, and that there's a couple of reasons for that but the main reason is that fruit when it's ripe on a tree is is profoundly um you know brittle uh, not brittle it's just it's just it needs to be cared for in such a um in you know such a way as to not bruise or damage the fruit so harvest is we've we've looked over the years for mechanical harvest and you know, in terms of technology, there's lots of people around the world looking at mechanical harvest, but at this point in time there is nothing that comes close to the human hand and its nimbleness in being able to remove a piece of fruit from a tree and and safely put it into a onto a machine that then softly loads it into a bin so that we can pack it so the harvest process is really just about people it's about getting people training them to use you know ladders and whatever and then we have a lot of picking platforms so the old way was you'd pick into a bag and then you'd empty the bag into the bin but we find that um that bruises the fruit the movement from the bag to the to the bin of fruit so now we have a a conveyor so the person standing on a platform and they literally pick the fruit one by one and put it on this conveyor and it gently puts it into the to the field bin Uh, and then from there it basically the fruit is is untouched until basically then enters the box so you know we're trying to make it as soft as possible which allows us then to harvest fruit riper um, because that's the goal
1: Rowan Little is passionate about people enjoying stone fruit. He shares ideas that go way beyond the fruit bowl snack.
0: One of my um, passions, I guess, is to is to help people not to give up on fruit. Um, you know, everyone has an experience where, you know, you buy fruit from the supermarket or whatever and you... Um, you know it was on special or you got excited and and but then it you know it's in the fruit bowl and you go back and it's a bit smelly and then it gets soft and wrinkled and whatever and one of my passions is to help people to understand that fruit is still entirely consumable but probably not best enjoyed fresh so what we are trying to do now particularly with our stone fruit is to say you know what if you've got a soft peach or a wrinkled nectarine or an apricot that's got brown marks in it don't throw it in the bin whatever you do there's so many uses Um, and one of our drivers right now is to stone fruit in Australia comes in summer so we start harvest in November and we finish in April it's it's perfect time and actually the barbecue is one of your best assets um, when it comes to stone fruit. So I don't know whether consumers have tried it or your listeners have tried it, but there are so many solutions um, for stone fruit. Um, You can grill it. um, Peaches are grilled. um, So you can grill it, put it in a salad to add that little bit of sweetness and tang. Uh, You can make um, like a salsa or something to enjoy. And so cut up your apricots in particular, that creates a really different sort of salsa. Or you can, um, you know, pureed plums. We've been making ice cream, pure ice cream, no dairy or anything, just blended in your blender and then, you know, frozen. Makes amazing plum puree. Uh, and then we've got an amazing barbecue peach dessert, which you know you you just, um, I love it with a dessert wine and then a vanilla bean ice cream or something. It's just an amazing when it's warm. It's as close to off the tree and they're some of the simple solutions you don't require you know long-winded recipes or whatever but you turn something that's ready you think might go into the bin into something you can enjoy as part of a meal and that's where i think the opportunity is for real satisfaction with your stone fruit is to is to find those very simple solutions because you know there is a very narrow window to enjoy it fresh um Once it's past that point, there's so many things to do with it. We have a bit of a saying here that every Australian deserves to be able to eat a really good apple. Um, The thing that makes me lament the most is when I meet someone and they say, um, you know, I don't eat apples because they don't taste good. And I think what that means is that they've just had such bad experiences. I I, I find it unfathomable that someone might say, I don't eat stone fruit or... Whatever, because it doesn't taste good. Because it just there's so much diversity in the flavour. So I guess what drives us is sort of this, uh, you know, there is nothing, nothing, no finer experience in life, in my opinion, than then we have a pick-your-own orchard here now, than going into an orchard, finding a fully ripe, you know, plum or a. We had a donut peach we picked in our pick-your-own orchard last week that was perfectly ripe and just biting into that you know and the juice is warm because the the day is a nice day and there's a little bit of warmth in that and it's just a truly uh, it's an organic experience that um you know just brings the light and you know I think that's what people who are so um you know our food supply chain is so complicated now and so much of it is is you know all about sterility and you've you know food safety and you go to supermarkets and there's lights and you know it's all very marketing and and to have that experience for a consumer to get back to where it all came from uh, and to physically go and, and pick a fruit and experience i mean that's ultimately what our goal is is to allow people to truly experience fruit as it should be um that's what drives us
1: When you're running a business that employs hundreds of people, sustainability has to be viewed holistically with social, ethical and economic elements as well as environmental.
0: The whole notion of sustainability is a really interesting and fascinating thing for me. Um, We tend to throw sustainability around in terms of environment and in terms of climate change and carbon, you know, all of that. But sustainability is, is, I think, in its fullest and truest sense, um, you know, something that we really have to drive at and it's it's got a social element and an ethical element as well as an environmental. So for me, true sustainability is, is yes, it's got to pay its way, right? And look, you know, ultimately farmers and everyone are in business to, you know, make money and we make our livelihood and, and lots of, you know, Montague employs hundreds of people and, and their livelihood is based upon that. But to be truly sustainable, I think you've got to provide that economic return. But, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that our farm at Nariwaran North, we've been farming on the same site in the same soil for 70 years and it's still the same today. So sustainability has to have that environmental element to it. It has to be that you, you know, the earth and whatever, you, you keep reviving and it keeps returning you know it's not an exhaustible resource an inexhaustible resource the challenge i think now for us is to actually take it to the next step and to say how can we regenerate this land you know how can we actually um improve the soil and improve the uh, biology and and, you know with planting you know five million trees we we suck up so much carbon so we have a role in sustainability but that's that's ultimately where I think we want to get to is, is to be truly sustainability, but also this regenerative thing. We, we want to be able to regenerate um, the land that we're on and regenerate the ecosystems and regenerate the people uh, who are involved in the process. That's, that's true sustainable practice, I think. One of the things with climate change, and people, we realise we're all connected, right? So, you know, what activities... Our industry does, or another industry does, affects those around them, both socially, economically, but also environmentally. And I think that's that's the driver now. How do we how do we leave this place um, in a better state for the next generation? Is is a bit of a driver, and I think that's what's going to drive you know selection of new material. There's going to be this other element now. I think about it when you evaluate something, it's going to be about flavour, but it's also going to be, you know, you can't forget yield because economic sustainability, you know, I can't afford to farm a, you know, a hectare of land where the yield is so low because all the inputs that I have to do, it doesn't provide an economic return. So I'm utilising the the soil and the land and those resources, but I'm not producing enough food from that. And that's an interesting nuance in the whole debate.
1: Montague prides itself on being an innovator, but all the technology is aimed at one outcome, producing great quality fruit with amazing flavour. Rowan explains the unrelenting drive towards joy.
0: I guess the thing with Montague in terms of our passion is is definitely new. Um, Like we, we have been innovators in the industry in both the introduction of technology, which makes fruit more reliable for the consumer but also the introduction of new flavors and new textures and so i think that's where we shine um is our passion and our drive to improve the eating quality for consumers because at the end of the day um you know we can we can be a really good grower uh, and we can maximize profits by growing fruit with no flavor i mean that's That's one of the problems with our industry, I think, is we're too obsessed with, um, you know, getting fruit to the market. Well, we need to be obsessed with getting fruit into the mouths and providing enjoyment. Um, We are, you know, that's our profound opportunity is to not just provide sustenance but to provide enjoyment. And I think that's what drives us and I think that's what makes us unique is our unrelenting drive to... You know, provide an experience that um, offers joy to someone as distinct from just feeding them. Feeding them is absolutely important, don't get me wrong, but we want to do more than just provide sustenance. We want to provide uh, an amazing eating experience.
1: With a job that takes him around the world and also gives him lots of time with his hands in the dirt in Australia, Rowan Little's work at Montague is varied and satisfying. What does he love about what he does?
0: The thing that I find the greatest enjoyment is, you know, I when you go overseas or you look at something and you, you bring, you know, breeders are strange characters. They've got weird codes or something and you you see a, a new nectarine or something on a tree that's just being bred and um, you think, oh, that, that offers some potential. And then I think the greatest satisfaction is where you... You see it in the breeder and then it's probably about 10 years later that you see it in the box ready to go to the consumer. Uh, and there's something amazing about offering an experience that you had delight at in a, in a test block um, to turn that into a commercial reality. And, you know, when people first eat that and go, oh, that's an amazing flavour, that gives you the greatest job satisfaction i think is yeah we had a view we had a vision and then we realized that and the consumer got to enjoy it that's that's the most satisfaction you get no like and that's that's the problem i mean people often say oh you've been working you know for montague or in the industry for a long time what makes you stay and i think that's it it's you know you can't (laughs) You know, often I spend a lot of time doing marketing and marketing and particularly with social media and everything, is so quick, everyone wants to turn around and yet we work in an industry where, you know, literally it's 10 years from seeing something in the mind of a breeder before you can realise that. So, you know, there's not too many projects, I think, in life now that you have to be that patient and go through the steps and, you know, the years all blend really quickly Um, But, you know, it gives you great satisfaction when you see something and then you realise the full reality of it.
1: Montague is a family company with a simple driver to make people fall in love with fruit every time they grab a plum, peach or apple from the fruit bowl. With a heritage stretching back three generations and a team of hundreds working to bring each season's fruit to market, it's a cycle that's never-ending but always developing. As Rowan Little says, everyone should have access to a great piece of fruit. This is The Producers, a Deep in the Weeds production. I'm Danny Fallant. Stay tuned as we talk to some of Australia's best farmers, makers, and growers. Follow us on Instagram at Producers Podcast or contact us via deepintheweeds.com.au.